0: One of the most anticipated shows of the year, The Last of Us starring Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey as Joel and Ellie, two survivors living out of apocalypse in 2023, just released its first nearly feature-length episode titled When You're Last in Darkness on HBO Sunday. On this podcast, we like to discuss the latest installment of a different series every episode. It's January 18th, and you're listening to today's episode. So this is obviously based off the video game that came out 10 years ago. And I think it works to the show's benefit because that gives, that's enough time where fans of the original game may have forgotten some of the details. And it allows the creators of this show or the developers of the show and the uh, actors and actresses working on it enough uh, leeway if, if something they want to change um, ends up being like a big detail. Like and- I don't remember too much besides the beginning and the end of the the game. Did you ever play it? I never played it. The only thing I
1: ever saw of it was like Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen. By the time This Is the End was coming out, which was back when the game was first released, I think like July of 2013. Played <laughs> the very uh, beginning of it. I saw the intro, and that was about it.
0: I also remember they based the main character off of Elliot Page at the time.
1: No, that was like it was a rumor. Yeah, it was kind of a rumor. I know that Elliot Page came out later on. It was just like I, I thought she
0: was in support of the game. She was not. No. Oh, she actually that was might have been it. what I
1: remember then. And I think they ended up changing her character uh, because of that a yeah. little bit.
0: So you did the research for this episode, but you also watched it, and I just watched it. But there's enough here to really just talk about the plot this entire episode. However, I think we will talk about some of the reviews. <laughs> yes, we will. And um, and, uh, and some facts about the game as well. Oh, cool. The, the other thing I wanted to bring up right before the synopsis is that Pedro Pascal, we've talked about in The Mandalorian before, and Bella Ramsey from Becoming Elizabeth. However, they're both known for Game of Thrones, which I think they did their best work in that, until this. I think this is the best thing I've seen Pedro Pascal in, and I'm, I'm including The Mandalorian. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, because I was going to say
1: the same thing. I didn't know if he was ever going to be able to uh, take a role that I thought was better than his Game of Thrones Better role. than
0: Obrin and his,
1: and <laughs> <Right>. his eyeballs? <laughs> but here, it's like, no, I think that, yeah, he did an amazing performance. Yeah, okay, so you like the yes, episode. Yes, no, I, I love this episode.
0: I, all right, I'll give away, too, that I give this episode a 9 out of 10. Me, too. I think
1: the best part of the episode was the 2003 storyline, but also, even when I got to, like, the
0: present-day storyline,
1: 2023, I thought that it did a good job as well.
0: Well, to get to those, we have to get through the 1968 interview, which is how they kick off the show, and I, I think that this two or three minutes that they do here is great.
1: Yes, Josh Brenner from Silicon Valley, and then John Hanna
0: from Transplant. Didn't expect to see him there. Well, from Spartacus, that's how I know him. But Josh Brenner is playing an interviewer and he's talking to a couple of scientists about what they see as being the biggest threats. And this is, uh, they talk about pandemics. Yeah. And then it's a John Hannah's character who brings up uh, that he's afraid of fungi. Cordi- or fungi.
1: Cordyceps being an actual disease that exists. Of course it is. Cordyceps
0: vi- they they make up Cordyceps virus, but Cordyceps is that ant thing that just like pops out of their head and then controls and them. And
1: actually, it's it's the same uh, disease in the game that they mentioned here. And the reason why they chose that wasn't only because it's an actual disease, but also Planet Earth did an episode where they talk about the Cordyceps and uh, and uh yeah. I'm creator. surprised you haven't
0: seen the YouTube clips about Cordyceps. Oh
1: no, I knew about it. But the creator of the game also is the creator of this. Show Neil Druckmann. Oh, that's cool. And so he ended up, yeah, he was like, I want to choose an actual disease. It's and Fungi seems, especially after listening to John Hanna describe it, his character,
0: it seems like even scarier than COVID. I mean, I don't actually think that that's a plausible thesis to like what could happen, but it is such a cool premise to go off of. But what it did also remind me of was when I was a kid and I would watch Alfred Hitchcock on TV land because <laughs> I would watch a lot of old TV shows. And um, this was like a 1959 episode. I had to go look it up called Special Delivery. And it gave me a fear of mushrooms for a very long time, like into my adulthood, because it was about, um, it was written by Ray Bradbury. And it was about these mushrooms that were like special delivery mushrooms. They would come to your doorstep. And then like this one guy was realizing that like his neighbors were starting to act a little odd and that like once people had ingested them, it would take them over. And then his whole family became that way. And it ended with him, possibly ingesting one himself so it like scared the that's, shit out of me as a kid
1: that's very similar to this i love the way that the subtlety played out you know first it's like oh you get some cop cars in the 2003 storyline then it's like some people are starting to act very
0: strange you get the helicopters after a while and yeah, it just so, keeps well, building and building, the 1968 building. interview saying that they predict that this apocalypse may come if global warming pushes the fungi to adapt and evolve into invading the human species yep. jump to 2003 austin texas We meet Joel, his daughter Sarah, and Uncle Tommy. Joel is just turning 36 years old, and his daughter is played by Nico Parker, which I only learned... Because of the show, at the end of HBO, it told it told me who she was. I
1: needed to look up the name because I wanted to say that Sarah, that's the girl that she plays. She, I thought, did an amazing job. She was, I think, she's supposed to be your favorite character, but I thought that she was the best actor or actress out of the whole entire thing. Because like she, I think she was as good as Millie Bobby Brown was in Stranger Things season one. <laughs> that's how good I thought her acting was in this. Great.
0: I mean, you you were aware of what happened to her before you watched it yes yeah so i'm wondering how someone who didn't know the plot at all who hadn't seen the commercials i feel like this would have been such a punch to the gut (laughs) yeah because i i from the second she woke up i was waiting for her to die not in a happy manner but more just sad so i like tried to refuse myself from getting too attached And yet still, I did feel really, really bad for her when it happened.
1: What I thought that the show did so well is that they added scenes. If you remember in
0: the game. And they aged her up.
1: Yes, they did. In the game, what happens is is Sarah it starts off with her waking up on the couch and then giving the gift to uh to Joel. And then it's basically a shot for shot remake of what happened in the show. But here I thought they really did a good time setting up the build-up and yeah. just setting up all the different characters and like really this these forty minutes, I was like, this might be a ten out of ten.
0: You you <laughs> like to talk about superhero fatigue and also zombie fatigue because of what The Walking Dead did going what eleven seasons yeah. and then having all their spin-offs and talking about how the episode episode started getting really long and the drama was just ridiculous. And I've always argued that if you make quality television or movies, that that will supersede any of those negative emotions. And I think this goes to prove that point. Like, this is a show that is basically just another zombie show or zombie movie. I can compare it to World War Z, A Quiet Place, uh, The Passage, um, Dawn of the Dead, 28 was, weeks later. I was even
1: going to throw in Night of the Living Dead. You
0: can go even as old school as that. Well, I said Dawn of the Dead because that took place in 2004. And the timeline here is very similar to 2003, which I thought also was very smart because it's right before... Social media took over because if something like this had happened where there were explosions going off and you wake up at 2 a.m. You saw her go for the TV to see if any any alert was on and, and it was already like no signal at that point. But like she would have gone to her phone and she would have actually been able to see what was going on. The way they presented it here was back in 2003, they actually needed to get in a truck and then go into town to see the uh, see the people and what was happening to them and um, the, the after effects of everything.
1: And the timeline is also different as well because in the game, it takes place, I think, September 26, 2013. So mm-hmm. it was obviously a conscious decision so, to draw it back 10 years.
0: It, and it's a smart one too. It, it, it's a little strange seeing Pedro Pascal having to play both 36 too young and then 56 too old. The, the but second
1: they like, said he was 36, I was like, I'm not buying it. He's very it. wrinkly, 36.
0: <laughs> Someone's been out in the sun a very long time. And curi- I'll be curious how they present Tommy because I'm sure they kept his character, like the same person, playing yeah. him if we do see him. But the other cool thing about seeing 2003 or any past storyline is always the references that they throw in there. They took out a simply orange uh, uh, container, and I expected that to be completely different 20 years ago. It's the same one as it is now. Because that's the type of orange juice I get now. And so I had to look up a trailer of it to see if that's actually true. And yes, they've had the same one. It's like a Coca-Cola can. They don't change them. And uh, and then they also, like, when she was in school and you would see the presidents on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, When I was in school... I remember when our fifth grade teacher would like replace the president and there would be like a George Bush one up there or something. And so, yeah, that. And I, I that, was br- wondering,
1: I was thinking, okay, well, they're obviously throwing in another reference with her shirt. Um, Halligan drops. It's actually a fake band that takes place in the
0: other, in, uh, in the last of us world. Thank you. In the game. I paused so many times on that shirt, trying to figure out if it was like a Britney Spears, if it was a, yeah, Glenn no, Stefani. I, I didn't know who it was and I was trying to figure it out so hard. So, <laughs> So Sarah in
1: the video game yes. is wearing that same exact shirt, and it's a fake band. It doesn't exist. No, I,
0: I got you. I heard you the first time. Um, the other cool thing about her being at school, though, um, and being more independent in this version, is that uh, some of her classmates were also kind of like, they were so. there were some that were coughing, and then there were some that were, like, fidgeting. Mm-hmm. So that was just the first influence of the fungi
1: and then more yeah. obvious when she goes over to the neighbor's house the lady is trying to open her mouth and you can see it kind of just transforming
0: inside of her she was kind of catatonic before right? yeah it, i thought maybe that was where they were going to kill i wasn't sure if they were going to keep the same death for her so i was waiting for anything i was waiting for any sort of jump scare uh the, the other fake thing that they threw in there was the dvd that she pulled off the thing. Because I looked up Curtis and Viper too to see if that was a real movie. <laughs> Again, I, I think it's from the actual the, mm-hmm. the, the actual game. Great. So. so, yeah, zooming through that plot line, we meet the daughter. We get really involved in her life. She seems like the main character. Then Joel comes home, and they she exchanges the gift with him. He has to go bail his brother out of jail because stuff is going down. She wakes up at 2 a.m. There's explosions. She and sees, this is when the
1: game... This is when it just takes completely from the game. Yeah,
0: we see Marcy, the daughter... The next door neighbor dog, the sheep dog, the really smart dog trying to get the hell out of there. But she doesn't listen. She finds the neighbors and they're being turned as she watches them. And then the grandma neighbor attacks her. But that's when Joel shows up and he kills the grandma neighbor. They jump in the truck. And this is where I'm like, would it have been better if they had stayed in their house and locked down? like what do you mean he had to go to get his brother no i mean once he once he came back he had his brother with him and had they driven into the house and like barred everything up do you think that they would have survived you or know, do you think that it was better to go into town and, and do it this way what happens in the game is the zombies
1: break the glass so they oh. actually do lock down in the house sure. in the game and then the zombie yeah just busts through and then he has to shoot it that's what had that that's they replaced the neighbor's death with that death in the game
0: cool no i i like that so then they drive into town they have to like go around they go they go off just to get into the city. And it is just a mess. There are so many, I'm going to call them zombies because I don't know what else it to call fine, them. Yeah. So many zombies jumping on top of one another and they're the fast ones. So they're the like the world the 28 weeks later zombies.
1: I'm not sure if you noticed, but a majority of this episode was shot with handheld cameras. And I very much noticed it when they were inside the car, but I thought that it really helped kind of bring you into the scene. It felt
0: like you were inside the car It felt it like a first them. person game. Yeah. And I mean, you just when saw- When you said it was the director of the actual game or the person who created it, that makes a lot of sense because he used those shots and it made you feel like you could just jump in with the controller and start moving. Well, the you know, you know
1: who directed this episode. They say it at the end. The I same person looking. who created Chernobyl.
0: Oh, great! So no. yeah, it turns
1: out that Craig Mazin, that's his name, played The Last of Us, and then Neil Druckmann watched Chernobyl, and both of them like had a mutual connection, and then they just literally pitched the show
0: when they were out at lunch. That would time. explain the amazing style. Because somehow, and I can't even explain how, because it wasn't like a grainy filter or anything for the 1968 storyline. It wasn't some crazy filter for 2003, like some highly saturated thing. But somehow it just put you in that place. And it wasn't the coloring, it was the actual camera and i just don't know how (laughs) Uh, but then you know you know
1: how the plane crashes that reminded me a lot of sweet tooth i remember in sweet tooth at the very beginning when this pandemic is like going down there was planes that were like blowing up in the skies Yeah. but here it was even more intense and it was like
0: (laughs) a little funny too because they were going that direction and they had to turn around and go the exact opposite direction reminded me of a quiet place because a quiet place too where oh the beginning where they're showing you yeah how it first occurred and they're driving around and then you see, like, these things smashing into... And there was a plane that came down. Yes. And yes.
1: the only difference between uh, this part of the show and the game's intro was that in uh, in the show, you see the plane crash. In the game, it just suddenly hits the car. No, like I, it, 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 There's I, no lead up to it. Yeah, and then she's knocked
0: out, and then she's hurt, and she can't move, so he has to carry her. Whereas before, she was just tiny, so that's why he was <laughs> carrying her. Right. And then the other thing I wanted to point out there was that there was a jump scare. Because once they got out of the car, I was just like, okay, they're going to run away. That's when the police car just went and rammed right into it and, and that got me to like pull back a few inches from my laptop and you know what? It.
1: that reminded me of world war z because when that zombie apocalypse is going down yeah cop cars are crashing into each yeah, other yeah. The, the, the references i feel
0: like are endless but you know. mm-hmm. and then he's running around with his daughter he escapes a few zombies and then the army guy shows up and he gets the orders to kill them despite the fact that they're not infected I okay so here's my problem with this one part it's
1: the fact that I remember in the video game when the army guy gets the orders he does try to pull back a little bit and it made the death even sadder and although I thought that this part worked really well still the army person didn't try to pull back at all when he got the orders in in the show he was just kind of like oh really okay yeah (laughs) you're you know and then he shoots them I don't know know
0: how you felt um I didn't have a problem with the scene but now that you say it, it it I feel like it could work either way uh later on when joel kills the other guy you did see that guy for a second seem like he was going to uh, let them go yes, yeah. like so any, anyways sarah dies right <laughs> yeah. she gets shot in the belly and then she dies and they call it an ugly death i would say that this is uh, for a zombie show or, or this type of show it was kind of a normal death mm-hmm. um but, but it was it was sad. still dramatic yeah it still left you with a, a giant hole in your heart and they jumped to 2023 and Joel is now living in a quarantine zone. He does odd jobs. He smuggles in drugs to help uh, make some bank. And his brother Tommy is working for like the resistance, but he also helps him bring in all this paraphernalia, whatever it may be. And he's been missing for a while. But what I however sure, are you gonna mention how they yes, introduced yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, okay. So the other thing we learned about Fedra, because that's the quarantine zone, that's the government now, they what they treat the infected very simply. If you've been infected, you're put down. So we see a kid to start off the whole thing coming in, and it looks like, okay, maybe they're going to save him, but as soon as they register him with a red. Uh, signal that's when they give him a shot which is like i guess what you would do when you're putting down an animal and she just says everything's going to be okay and it yeah, was like oh. this,
1: the second the woman said that i was like oh this kid is gone in the last of us companion podcast i don't want to take too much from there but yeah. they actually got the person who voiced joel in the game to be the host for the show oh, and, great and he was uh he was kind of having an interview with the creators and what the creators said was that apparently where this episode ends was supposed to be where the second episode was supposed to end. The first episode was supposed to end after Joel throws the kid into the fire.
0: So they would have shown you, like, the the background first, and then they would have left you with a little bit of a uh, scoop for the next episode. What
1: happened was HBO saw that script and was like, you know what, just having two kids die, there's no real intrigue for people to continue <laughs> watching afterwards. So yeah. then they were like, you know what, yeah, we should probably just make uh, the two episodes kind of combine them.
0: And in this day and age with... 80 minute pilots being pretty normal especially for anticipated shows like the game of thrones uh, pilot was like 70 minutes wasn't it
1: yeah Something crazy like that. So, yeah.
0: But this place is also, it's got public hangings. It's not a fun place to live, but it is a survivable place to live. That's <laughs> thats how they sell it. You have to do a lot of trash janitorial duty in order to make even minimum wage there. It honestly reminds me of Negan's
1: World and The Walking Dead, except way worse and a little more, I guess, industrialized. <laughs> it reminded me of Half-Life,
0: if you ever play that game, because of the cameras and also uh, Fallout um, because of just the different towns that they have. Uh, But you have Fedra, which is the government, the raiders, the slavers, and the Fireflies are part of the raiders, I assume, but they're the Rebellion, they're led by Marlene, and her second-in-command is Kim, and we don't meet, we actually meet Anna first, who I didn't even know she was in the show, but... She's got a swollen eye. She's the lady from Fringe. She from did not. She did Mind not. Look, I, I did not recognize her. I did, but it was like she's not playing her her version of, like, the love interest, very pretty version right. of her. She was, like, supposed to be this kind of butch, like... Angry lady. And when it comes so. to
1: Marlene, they said it in the after show. But she's the same person who voiced Marlene in the game. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, and they used motion. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought that. I mean, I didn't know how much anticipation was like really for the game and for this TV show. But really, they used motion capture, and I, I think that the creators really wanted to. Like I, this is yeah. the difference between no, no. This is the difference between like a show such as something like Velma and something mm-hmm. like this, where it's like they were making it for a specific purpose. I know that HBO gave them like upwards of a hundred million dollars or something like that and you for the show. Yeah, yeah.
0: And they honored their fan base, is what you're saying. Yes, right. Yeah.
1: And they and they stayed close to the source material well, as well because they have the creator and the developer be the same person. That's that's a great way. Of and not only, about it. not only that, I, yeah, yeah. Not only that, they actually got the composer who did the score. From the game to also be the person who did the score in this show, and he's been nominated for Academy Awards as well. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Gustavo santo alada
0: and he's like the Hans Zimmer, but for the video game universe. Well, I he's
1: also worked in film. Like he works a lot with Alejandro J. ritu the same person who did Amores Peros and uh, Birdman as
0: well. Cool. All right. So getting back to Anna Torv's storyline, though, she's playing Tess. And what we find out is that she's part of the smuggling operation. She's actually with Joel in the future here. And they want to steal a truck because he's worried about his brother. And they just want to get out of the Fedra organization, right? Mm -hmm. And Tommy works for the Fireflies because uh, there's a little bit of a tiff between Marlene and Joel as to that she stole his brother away from him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We see Tess escape. Roger, the guy who was supposed to sell her the battery for the car, and then she makes her way a day later back to Joel and she has that big uh swollen eye and she tells him, Well, we don't have the car battery, we're gonna have to go get one, or he says we're gonna we're gonna have to go get one, we're gonna have to go to the place that he sold it, which was the Fireflies base, and we zoom to the Fireflies and what's going on there. That's like 50 minutes into the episode where we finally meet the secondary main character. <laughs> Ellie, right? And yes. she's in custody, and she's just a girl who is being tested constantly to make sure that her mental awareness is still there because she's been infected. She's been bitten or whatever, scraped, I don't know.
1: She has a very snarky side to her, though. How how'd you feel about her character overall? She was like
0: the version in the games i mean i I, I think that was who she's playing in the version of the game she's supposed to have more she's supposed to be nicer i I think she's supposed to be just completely contrast to the kid that from the first scenes right yes yeah that's what they said in the Uh after show but i also think that that's just how it was originally written for her and i think she does a great job in that effect there are a few moments and this is kind of nitpicky where i think they could have reshot a scene For instance, when they get out at the very end of the episode, when they're all sneaking out of the camp at the Federer camp, and they leave that pipe, and she's like, I can't believe I'm on the other side of the pipe, right? And she stands up. It just felt a little stiff. I thought she did a
1: good job acting. I guess wasn't a big fan of the character. I'm sure when we get into the actual series, I'm probably going to really I mean, start liking her character. I mean, but this is it, the actual series. No, but it. like, I felt like her introduction here was really rushed whenever we got to her. Like, for example, by the very end of the show, when it was like, oh, no, I've actually been bitten, but I'm immune. It was like, that was just thrown in there. And I felt like they could have, they really needed to dive into that more. if they Wait, wanted they'd introduce already
0: introduced it. that, though, earlier on.
1: Yeah, but she was introducing it to all the other people, and it's such like, apparently, a big all the other the people
0: being Tess and uh, Joel. Right. But the only reason that she's with them is because by the time that Tess and Joel reach where the Fireflies are, a lot of them have been taken out. That entire base has been like shot up, and Roger is dead, and the battery's no good. And so they find Marlene shot, and we find Kim without an ear and that's where my favorite line of the entire episode came into play because she Kim kept on it keeps on trying to say I'll take Ellie with me to the other Firefly camp and that's where Marlene's like Kim you don't even have an ear on your head and it's just so so obvious but also so funny and that's when Marlene makes Joel and Tess uh, agree to take Ellie to this other Firefly encampment and promises them that they will get a fully fueled car and all the supplies they want if they do so But Joel had earlier gotten a warning from the guard that said, hey, everybody's on high alert here as the guards or the Fedra guards, which are the bad guys to the Fireflies. And you shouldn't be going out at night. And so what do Joel and uh, and what's her face and Tess and Ellie end up doing? They end up going out that night. Now, they do have a couple like bonding scenes where Joel and Ellie are hanging out. in the apartment and I think that's like the best part of their relationship so far and it just encourages me as to what could happen down the line because not only is there that snark that you're talking about between the two of them but I also thought it was creatively done because it's not one of those ones where like it only takes a second like her mentioning his watch for him to suddenly bond with her, he's still like, I, I can get rid of this girl at any time. I don't care.
1: One of the things that the critics pointed out was just, yeah, Joel and Ellie's relationship, like the chemistry is kind of off the charts whenever they're on screen together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then they end up going basically into the night after he beats up the security guard. Right? Well,
0: yeah. So they escape under the wall, which remind me like of Alexandria in Walking Dead. And uh, and, and then they're walking and the, one of the guards stops and it happens to be the guard that had warned him. And they try to bribe him and he's about to get bribed, like he's about to be okay with it, but then Ellie realizes that when he's testing all of them, she's gonna show up red, they're gonna kill her, so she stabs him with a knife. Druckmann pointed out that he didn't want to make it a
1: flashback. They were saying that what happened was Joel was thinking about in his mind when he killed someone in front of Sarah, and so therefore it was a difference. It wasn't just like, because they realized that flashbacks can, like, yeah, kill the show.
0: Yeah, I didn't. The PTSD thing that he was talking about, where it was like Joe thought of uh, Ellie as his daughter in the same situation, I, to me, that was less effective as seeing Ellie's response, where she was more enamored with the <laughs> idea of Joel killing on her behalf rather than his original daughter, who was uh who would have been very sad by it and cried when that happened it also reminded me a little bit of the pinocchio the guillermo del toro one how that started off i don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it but there was a steady difference between uh one kid and their response versus later on pinocchio and his response I uh, agree, yeah. So overall, you said that you would give this episode a nine because that's where it ends. Yeah, so my pros for this episode are Sarah's storyline. I knew that that was going to be the biggest hurdle and I could argue that that's probably the most impactful scene of the game. And so that would have been, if they'd screwed that up, God help them, they would have been <laughs> asking for a lot from the fans to forgive them for that. But they pulled it off and so that was a big pro. Also the style, uh, I already talked about how it didn't feel like a filter, but at the same time, it felt different every year that they showed us. The monsters look really cool. Like at this in this day and age, since Walking Dead, you can't not make a good-looking zombie or whatever it may be. The fungi sticking, coming out of their mouth, and then also it reminded me of Annihilation. Remember that movie when you saw the monsters? How they end up exploding, kind of on against right. the wall, and they like break out into different pieces. And it also felt like a little bit of a first-person game in its in and of itself. And I'm glad that they didn't wait on the revelation that Ellie was uh, infected. Because had they done that, then it was like, okay, well, we know that they're going to find out eventually. Right now, they're kind of speeding you through the story, and I, and I really like that. What
1: they did was they cut out the gameplay. They say uh, where these like kind of video game movies fall is it seems like the you know whenever you're watching it, you're just kind of watching people do what you've already done in the game. Yes. And they decided to focus on the relationship aspect of it more. And Which decided, you would think
0: wouldn't work. You right. would think that it would be like, oh, they spent so long on the drama of just them talking back and forth. That's what The Walking Dead does that's why we hate the walking dead like that type of thing but no this worked really well and the cons for it are very few the reason i'm giving it a 9 out of 10 though and docking at the one point is because i feel like the majority of people know the story so it just pulls it back just the slightest for anyone going in there without having any of the original source material or having watched the trailer this would be a 10 out of 10
1: for the yeah for the reason of ellie i feel like they kind of did have to dive in i would have liked if they dived into her character more i'm going to dock at the point as
0: well they did did say that she was related to one of the fireflies and that they had stuck her in one of the federal military encampments but that they somehow knew who she was when she escaped and got bit and so they didn't kill her and then they kept testing like it was just so convenient that they would know who she was specifically because it's not like they have tracers in them or anything okay. so i don't know how they recognized her but we'll probably learn that along the way do you want me to get into
1: the reviews of the show yes okay so it's got mixed reviews as a 60 on ron tomatoes but no, it has a 9.6 on imdb it has a 99 on ron tomatoes 97 percent audience score i mean i really couldn't find a place that like really hated this thing at all and people are saying that this is the best live live adaptation live to video game adaptation in tv
0: the witcher was really good when it first came out um i'm trying to think of anything else that might have a fighting shot arcane um, but that was that arcane, was on live to, and then yeah. portal uh, if they ever make a series for that, <laughs> that would be pretty incredible. The uh, the thing I wanted to, uh, the Guardian. How did the Guardian like it? I actually didn't see what the Guardian. gave Those are it. usually the ones where it's just they give you the weirdest ratings. I
1: decided I decided not to really get a lot of quotes from reviews this time because you can go to any review, like even Slate Magazine, which gave it its two rods on Rotten Tomatoes, still gave it like a two out of four, which isn't even that bad a score. And so, I mean, yeah, every single place is saying it's... It's it's worth a watch? Complimenting everything. When you talk about the cinematography, you talk about the acting, the action, the way it draw, draws you in. People are saying that this could be like a show that kind of changes the game for well, not how, only video games, but just TV. How is
0: Pedro Pascal going to do a... Because the Mandalorian's still going, right? Or is it its last season or something? I know that the Mandalorian season 4 is
1: coming out in March, but I don't think there's any plans on ending it. So. Yeah, it's strange because he did like a
0: post-apocalyptic movie on Netflix a while back and I didn't like it. You, what, <laughs> like, you didn't, you I didn't, didn't like it? Well I didn't like his acting that much. I thought he was too like uh cow or like he would he's too sarcastic. And yeah he's still playing a sarcastic character here, but he's like more more down to earth or something. I uh, guess he was playing more of a villain in that too. And then this he's supposed to be like uh yeah. Okay.
1: I know that the movie they were supposed to make a movie for it, but what happened was they were kind of taking Naughty Dog, which is the production company sure. who did The Last of Us. Also their biggest IP aside from this is Uncharted. And so Uncharted was coming out and they were kind of having to juggle both. And when Neil Druckmann did, was he decided to, because uh, he, he was like, you know what, I'm not going to work on the Uncharted movie at all, but he made sure that plot points from The Last of Us were not going to be used in Uncharted, Good. so that when he bought it over here, he was able to actually use Well, it makes story. a lot of sense,
0: because when I first heard rumors about this, I heard that you were going to have Tom Holland playing the younger version of Pedro Pascal, and then you were going to have uh, Mark Wahlberg playing the older version. That's I'm kidding. Not, well, yeah, that's, I was, yeah. But those are the two people who are in Uncharted, right? Yes. I was just testing yeah. my memory. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.